All right. Well, uh, welcome to the show, Adam. How you doing today? What's going on, man? Oh, nothing. You know, just trying to catch up on a bunch of work, honestly. Yeah. So this has been a welcome reprieve uh, <laughs> from that. Uh, I was just on vacation. So, you know, when you go on vacation, it's not that you got time away from your work. You're just postponing it for later. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm, so, other than that, though, pretty great. Nice. Are you, did you go anywhere for vacation or you, st- you stayed at home while staycation? Yeah, I got the uh, I got the Pfizer. And so oh, yeah, I yeah. went to Nashville and really, really <laughs> tested the limits of uh, of its effectiveness because uh, Nashville is exactly where everyone who uh, has not been uh, taking anything seriously has been going to vacation, it mm-hmm. seems so. I was asked to elbows with the worst that America has to offer, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I love Nashville. Hasn't been, it's been too long since I've been there. Um, yeah, yeah bud. Um, okay. Uh, well, let's start with uh, just real quick intros. You can intro yourself, uh, Adam, just okay. uh, share your name, your mm-hmm. pronouns, where people can find you. Um, yeah, I am Adam Villman. I am one of the hosts of Southpaw sports on means TV. Um, I go pee him day. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can find me mostly on Twitter. Uh, I unofficially operate the Southpaw Sports handle uh, because I definitely am not evading any bans. I haven't been barred from using my Twitter. I just, you know, someone has to run that account. And, you know, it's, it just happens to be me now. Uh, right. but yeah, no, that's, that's mostly where you're finding. I have an Instagram and stuff. I just can't get into it because the feed is so garbage. Yeah. No, it, you it, can't get into like, just get into posting there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, yeah. It's, 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 there's no rhythm to it. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like Twitter. So it is trash. Honestly, I hate it there. I haven't posted <laughs> yeah. it in a long time there and Facebook. Just yeah. don't touch them anymore. Yeah, it's it's rough because that's where all the like I'm really into bluegrass and blues music and roots roots music in general, and uh, that's where like all those people are uh, because uh, you know I mean it's it's kind of more I guess the format if you're trying to share your musical projects for like video and stuff so people like it they're also just tend to, to lean a little older and I think you know Twitter's a little bit much for older folk to handle or less tech savvy people. Um, cause you know, I mean, it is an anachronistic art form, so we're not, <laughs> it definitely appeals to people who maybe just don't want to figure out some of that stuff. So, so I try to go on there to go check that kind of stuff out a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's just, it, I, I can't get into it the same way. It's absolute trash. Well, Adam, if you don't mind, uh, talk a little bit more about your current projects. You mentioned being on South Paws Sports, which uh, for, for what it's worth, I don't know if I'm like ruining the thing, <laughs> but it took me months to realize that a Southpaw is a, is a lefty, you know, is a lefty, a left-handed pitcher, right? Uh, in like baseball or something like that. And then, of course, y'all are lefties and you're on a lefty uh, 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 a streaming service means TV. And it, it all came together one day. I'm like, oh, it makes that's a great fucking name. Yeah, it, it. I mean, I appreciate you saying that it's a great name because I personally really dislike it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm no, sorry. no, it's not that I dislike it. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. think that the joke is like too obvious. Uh, and there's like a couple of accounts and and previous shows uh, that are southpaws that are like super libs 
There's an oh. MMA podcast uh, that is very good. Those guys are very cool. A lot of our fans like them too. They also go by Southpaws. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, that is my main project. Uh, we do kind of like a leftist cultural analysis of sports. You're not going to get a lot of the like. You're not going to get much of the. Oh, like LeBron had this stat line, or like you know, we 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 try to cover a bit of it because you know we like sports. But to be honest, like as I've moved along in analyzing sport uh, in our culture through a Marxist lens, I have become less and less enthusiastic about participating in spectator sport. Uh, it has encouraged me to kind of participate more in uh, in recreational sports and playing sports uh, like pickup basketball in my community. Uh, obviously, that's kind of taken a hit during the pandemic and uh but yeah, I mean, it, so we'll we'll look at stuff like that, um, you know, like through leftist lens. We try to um, part of part of our producer's goal because uh, he's not a sports fan. Nick Nick at means uh, one of his goals for our show that I think uh, has been kind of successful is that um, we're trying to like show you that like sports, like anything in our society. Uh, can be analyzed in a Marxist lens. It's, there's no such thing as inherently bad cultural items. Like, I mean, at least at that, you know, kind of macro level, uh, sports is essentially indistinguishable from, from the arts or um, anything else like in our culture that, that we do. Uh, it just maybe is the recipient of, uh, of uh, maybe inequitable attention in terms of resources in our culture. Um, it appeals to reactionary elements of our culture is used by uh, powerful forces to encourage uh, reactionary behavior. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's not uh, inherently bad or anything. Um, and we kind of try to give, give people uh, who felt, I know that there's a lot of people who feel bad about watching sports and I mean, you should a bit, but um, you know, like I think that there's certain people in leftist spaces who feel personally slighted by uh, the sports industrial complex of this country, whether it was people, people, athletes being mean to them in high school or their orchestra program got cut while the football team got more money, like shit like that, which I, I understand but there's a little bit of like a sports ball herder, like this is a Super Bowl on type shit from uh, even major publications. Like, I mean, from I don't want to necessarily get into an argument about Jacobin, but I would say most of Jacobin sports coverage is much of like, oh, can you believe that there's leftist stuff to see in sports? And it's just like that's we don't need that. We don't we don't need. We don't need people kind of like talking down about sports, uh, in my opinion. And we try not to do that. We try to give you uh, a framework for enjoying and analyzing uh, sports, whether you were a fan before or uh, or not. I think you all do a great job of that. Uh, there are Appreciate three of that. you on the show, uh, yourself and uh, and two other uh, fine gentlemen. Like yep. That. And um, – and I tell you what, uh, it, it really is great because I, I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm sort of disillusioned from sports, generally speaking, but y'all make it tolerable to like think about and, and sort of have conversations about again. And and uh, it, it's sort of 
become part of uh, you know generally my 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 each week I'll I'll, I'll pull it up and, and listen in to y'all and I think it's great and I definitely suggest it for everyone. I, I've often often said that there are many shows on Means TV that make it worth the 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 subscription al alone just for that show and I think your show is one of them. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah dude. Uh, it's based. Um, <laughs> okay, well, anything else that you do uh, project wise in terms of you know outside of uh, Southpaw's sports? Um, um, uh, we can even talk about your hobbies. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely a hobbyist. I guess is uh, I I am a I'm I'm a kind of person that uh, they definitely I, I'm an engineer in my day to day life. Like I'm a software engineer. Okay. And uh, uh, basically, since uh, since I started cooking when I was in my early twenties. I've kind of just I uh, started to embrace this kind of like I always joke about it, I call it like the engineering mindset where I like to like get really into things, find out all their component parts, study the parts, put the, rearrange them in new ways, and learn how people arrange them. Uh, so when I get into like hobby, I get like way 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 in, um, which is honestly how this show started uh, for me was I was in college and I just like started getting really obsessed with. Uh, with sports history and sports sociology and like i ended up with like nearly getting a minor in history because of it just because that's just how my brain works mm -hmm. um but yeah no i uh i personally in my day-to-day -day life i play a lot of music uh like i mentioned i'm very into bluegrass and blues and and, and roots music i played a banjo mm -hmm. uh i and then i also played the harmonica uh, I've been really fortunate that I live, I live in Durton, North Carolina, where there's a very vibrant root scene. Uh, I've gotten to go since getting the, getting the Pfizer, uh, I've gotten to go to some blues jams and stuff and just been so beneficial to get to have, uh, a space. It's like, it's like I was saying with, uh, professional sports, I think, I think there's so much people tie, uh, so much of like our cultural things, uh, they tie them to consumerist products, whether that be uh, spectator sports, is sports, uh, recorded music, or going to go watch someone else perform music, is music. And I think people lose value in, I guess, the democratization of those of those commodities. And so I've been very fortunate that, uh, that those institutions uh, on the local level uh, have not been just completely destroyed by whether it be COVID or uh, real estate developers knocking down all the buildings where people were doing this stuff, um, that I can go and participate in the music, keeping the music alive, uh, being part of the culture and not distancing myself from just something I buy, like whether that be a concert ticket, uh, you know, a sport, you know, sports game ticket or whatever. Um, so that's been a lot of fun to rediscover. That's like what I, I've really gotten into folk music, uh, as part of like, uh, I get not as part of my leftism, but like, I finally understand folk music because of leftism, um, where it is about the democratization of, uh, owning the means of production of music. Um, and I think that's very great. I think there's lots of things like folk music, you know, I mean, DIY punk, SoundCloud rap, like all that stuff is rolled up into this idea that I have been really chewing on of like 
what it means to really take ownership of our lives, which is what I think the whole project of socialism was about. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I spend most of my time doing is playing music. Um, got some bonsai trees that I love to, to, to trim. Uh, my wife and I garden a bunch too. And uh, I also recently bought a Miata. So I've been getting into uh, car maintenance, uh, yes. which has been cool because it's something I've always wanted to do. And uh, I've now changed my transmission fluids, my oil, uh, spark plugs, air filters, all that stuff. I'm putting a new exhaust on myself. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a lot of it's. it's yeah, I, I'm. I definitely, I don't have any kids and I don't really plan on them. So I do, I, I really, it's a constant between, I don't know, my undiagnosed ADHD and just like my, uh, I guess, zest for life. I just always am, always am digging into something, you know, just trying to stay busy all the time. So. Yeah. I love that, Adam. All right. All right. So now I get to move along to the next part of the conversation. Adam, we get to talk about your leftward bound journey. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So a little chat uh, about how you ended up uh, on the left. Um, you've mentioned uh, Marxism before. You don't have to define mm -hmm. your own ideology if you don't want to. You're encouraged to if you're comfortable. How about we just start off the conversation right there, see where it goes. Yeah. Leftward bound. Um, yeah. I don't know if I really have in ideology per se i don't i don't read enough to, to to have that uh like uh like matt at midwest so midwest socialist was like yeah. asking me to make him a reading list once and i'm like i dog i don't read enough books <laughs> like uh i know i come across as very academic uh on the show sometimes but that's really just me reusing the same four or five books <laughs> that i've read um no um you know i always joke my leftward journey started just because uh, I was grew up fairly uh, low income, um, is beneficiary of like a lot of um, uh, you know lunch programs, and I had uh, I had the Blagojevich child healthcare uh, growing up, and uh, my parents are both school teachers, and um, you know I just I guess. It's hard to say. I think like a lot of people, um, you know, I grew up, I graduated high school in like 2007. So mostly, most of my kind of like coming of age uh, politically, you know, happened during the Bush era. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously there wasn't really the kind of language, I guess, that we have today. Uh, there was no real Bernie I mean, Bernie was obviously around. I knew who he was. I really liked him uh, throughout high school. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought I was a communist in high school. Like the band I was in, we used a lot of like Soviet imagery and stuff mm. like in our music. Um, but I didn't really have any idea what that really meant. I kind of like sort of read some uh, like like the manifesto and stuff. And but yeah, I mean, I really didn't know what that what that really meant in practice, I guess. Like I knew that I believed in like a system of, of equity or whatever. Um, and uh, so I think I went to a few like CPUSA meetings and we went and we were like organizing a bus trip to go canvas for Obama. Um, like that's where it was when I was like coming age. 
Um, but yeah, then uh, obviously things like the financial crisis happened, Obama happened. <laughs> um, and I would say the next kind of great awakening for me was, uh, was Occupy. Um, and just generally, I mean, I was on Reddit a lot back then and Reddit was a lot different uh, back then. Uh, there was a lot more, uh, I mean, like obviously the Ron Paul stuff I kind of got into for like a minute um, because I was very into the anti-war, the anti-prison industrial complex stuff. Um, I was like really into that. And I guess like I was persuaded by the arguments that like being like being self-preservationist was like the natural order or something. I don't know. I wasn't really into it very long. Um, and, uh, but I would definitely say my idea, my conception of, of capitalism was basically some kind of like heavily liberalized social democracy. Um, like, like Nordic state shit. Um, that was probably my conceptualism, my conception of what socialism was. Um, so yeah, so, so yeah, I got into Occupy, um, and, uh, and like I said, I was on Reddit and I kind of just, I mean, I was into the greens. I had been in, been involved with the green party for a while. Um, I did some canvas work for, uh, for a guy who was running for governor, of Illinois for the greens and they who, started. Who was, that? So, who was that? Uh, Rich Whitney, I think. Okay. Not ringing yeah. about. Okay. Um, so probably about 2012, well, 10-ish, 10. Yeah, I think about 10. Um, so yeah, so after Occupy, I definitely got really into like that one, the 1% thing. And I started like getting into income, in, income inequality. And by then I think Bernie's profile was starting to raise a bit nationally. Mm -hmm. Um, cause he was big on Reddit for a while and, you know, I was kind of like getting into his ideas um, but yeah, like I said, most of my political outlet was def was anti-war stuff, uh, because that was still pretty big. It was definitely waning in terms of resistance to it by, by the, by Occupy's time. Um, and then organizing through the greens and, uh, you know, that was my big thing. Like I remember, uh, Nate and I kind of met around Obama's second reelection or his okay. reelection. And I remember us getting like a big argument over the Green Party because um, Nate, I, if he's listening, Nate Nate knows he was a big ass lib back then, <laughs> and I I mean I, like I was really really much better because uh, I was telling him yeah. to vote for for Greens for fucking Jill Stein, um, and so uh, I was definitely in the Greens. Um, then I started getting really into. Um, like like po like post futurism stuff, um, like uh, UBI. Okay. I was really into UBI and automated futures. Uh, like I was just this is probably Reddit too. I was I was in Reddit and I was kind of getting into being. A, I was starting my transition from being a chef into a uh, software engineer. Um, and uh, I, Ferguson and stuff, you know, happened. So I was like very anti police by then. But like I said, I, I really didn't have like a framework for like tying all of this stuff together yet. Um, and I would say, yeah. So then I started reading more about UBI and 
automated futures and stuff, got really into this economist named Nick Zernick. Um, and he basically wrote a lot about, um, you know, about, about how we live in neoliberalism. And like, I started learning about kind of like this, like death of ideology and stuff that we were living in. And that kind of just started leading me, uh, by then I was back in school and, uh, you know, I started just kind of seeking out, I guess, um, more stuff. Like I kind of got into like the late stage capitalism subreddit and some of the some of the communism ones. And like they were definitely it had definitely changed. Like I had always subbed to, to stuff like that, but like they weren't really posting anything, you know, like like the anarchy subreddit would just be like posting black flag songs and shit. And now it was like people posting like actual uh, discussions of theory and quotes and recommendations. Um, so yeah, so I got so I got back to school, and I think um, I was when I was in school, I got into uh, I got into um, uh, Chapo and that kind of stuff. And I was also reading. Um, I was just reading a lot. I I took I was taking classes. Um, uh, I was, you know, I was taking these classes in school that were really pushing my ideas. I was starting to relate them to sports, like I mentioned. Uh, and I guess kind of started, like, honestly, most of the theory I've read um, really relates to how workplace organization and, like, labor organization worked in sports. Um, and I've picked up, like, a lot of these ideas on, like, how race, race is constructed, um, Thing, you know it, it, how things like that like through the lens of sport um through sociologists marxist sociologists that work in sport um so like i i haven't really i'm gonna i'm gonna i gotta be honest i haven't really i read a lot i mean i've read like chomsky and stuff uh but yeah i i i read all my theory through sports people <laughs> who read the theory for me um so yeah, so that's kind of yeah where I got, and then um, kind of just pulled it all together into this uh, this kind of framework. Um, you know, I I really believe that like um, defeating white supremacy is like the I guess you could call it the original sin of like our society, mm. and we have to uh, we have to destroy that. Like it informs just like every every way we interact with each other, with the, with the world, uh, this, these systems of like dominance and control and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I just really kind of just got to this point where I was just like, I fucking, I, I started working. I started, I got a white collar job and I hate it. Um, I feel so dis, I feel so disconnected from my labor. I feel disconnected from, uh, offering the world like anything, uh, making any, having any sort of purpose. Um, and that's kind of like once I went through that, <clears throat> I just kind of yeah started organizing around uh, the idea that just like uh, you know I think everybody is offered like basic human dignities to like express uh, themselves and and connect with other people in like meaningful ways, and uh, that's really just like what informs most of my uh, beliefs is just. That like I am so I'm just so sick of being sold. Um, you know, we get like in the U.S. specifically. You know, we get 
all this stuff. Like we get offered all these things and um, they just suck. Like they're not like very good. Like I would rather just have less things and more time with people and less time spent like wasting making stupid stuff like i mean it's not even that i dislike writing code i like i like helping people uh you know especially uh in our space uh you know i've written a lot i've written some scripts for for people at beans you know to help them make their lives easier and like i like doing that kind of stuff uh and i really liked cooking because i felt so connected to my labor when i was cooking uh because you know i could really sense that i was like improving people's lives you know i was i was like getting i was i was creating special moments for people you know i mean not always a lot of people did complain you know but fuck them whatever um we get a whole nother thing about domination control (laughs) but yeah that's just you know i just feel like i am expected by by taking part in this like white supremacist society that we live in and we benefit from, like, I'm just asked to agree to things that like, uh, that like are, that we're implicitly doing that I'm implicitly agreeing to, to, to allow to happen by, by being in the society and perpetuating these things uh, that just like really don't even give me like that great of a deal. Like I'm asked to like, like we're doing, we're, we're, we're like perpetuating these like unspeakable horrors uh, against the earth and against each other and like, what do I really get out of it? Like, I get this yeah. fucking like capitalism is giving me this uh, Coke with coffee. Uh, oh, not wow. very good. Uh, gives me a bit of a buzz, I guess. Um, <laughs> but that's like, yeah, like it's like I get a new fucking iPhone, uh, you know, every two years or whatever. And it's just like it's just all this excess and waste and domination and destruction and carnage. For just nothing. For like, I just want to hang out. I want to hang out. I want to fucking play some music with people. Uh, you know, I I want to live like a long, fulfilling life, uh, filled with friends and uh, and riding my canoe down the river and shit. Like, I don't really, I don't ask for much. Like, and I, you know, I, I guess if I, that's the thing is, is if you're in this society and you want to succeed you have to just really want, I guess, all the stuff. And it's just, I don't know. It, it doesn't appeal to me at all. And so that's, that's, I guess my ideology in a nutshell is just like, uh, I don't need all the stuff. Could we just have more time? Um, so. yeah, raw deal. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I get all, I am like set up to be, uh, like just like have the most privilege wealth and access of like almost anyone in human history Mm. and uh, let me tell you like i know it's not you know i know like i guess i'm speaking with the privilege but it it is not worth it to me like i would gladly give it all up to just be able to do do my show uh go canoeing go you know take care of my house and see some music like it's you know it's just it's not it's not too much i feel like to ask uh but but people are just driven by uh this this lie this great lie that we must like tear we must you know dominate everything and and get as much as possible and and i think that's just the the rot at the heart of our society and that's going to be the downfall of (laughs) the united states hopefully not like the entire world 
which is probably my greatest fear. As I would say, that that my direct goals are we need to immediately bring an end to like this just unsustainable consumption because it will literally end the world as we know it. Uh, so that's like kind of I guess like my long term goal, which is motivated by like I want everybody to just like be able to have fulfilling lives of dignity uh, in a way that they would like to live. You know, like, I feel like those two goals are pretty compatible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Adam. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the idea is we're planting seeds. Hopefully we can come back and see what we've planted and, and, and return and continue talking about some things, but you really dug in there, man. Uh, uh, that, was, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Yeah, Truly. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I think that gives us enough and we can move along to the next part of the, of the discussion, which is hashtag the best. You know, we ask you to look at your life, distill some mm. life lessons or be them, uh, be the just, just pure life lessons or leftist lessons. And think about a younger version of yourself. If you could go back in time or, or of course, just think about giving advice to someone listening in chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like my biggest regret is that like when I was, when I was younger, you know, I was I was like really into drugs and I, I partied a lot and uh, ended up with uh, ended up with the opiate addiction. But uh, hmm. um, that's not honestly what I would have said is like, don't don't do that. Um, what I really would say is that I think when I was younger, I was really scared of of believing that I could do whatever I wanted um, like that I was capable, uh, and that I knew what I wanted and it was okay to change my mind about it later. Hmm. Um, once I had lived it and because like, I think I thought I was living this at the time, you know, I thought I was living like this really, um, outside of the lines, you know, bucking society kind of life. And to be honest, like, I mean, I really wasn't doing anything uh, that all that interesting. I wasn't taking any real risks. I was uh, hanging out in in basements and shit, smoking weed or shooting drugs or taking acid or whatever and listening to music. And I was just honestly like a really boring person. And, uh, you know, I wasted I wasted like a good three, four years just like being an asshole. <laughs> and I would say. Just, you know, like, I don't know, you know, just don't be afraid uh, that, that you that you can't do something because, uh, you know, if you can like, I know it sounds stupid, but it's like if you can imagine it, you can probably do it. It's been my experience. I know that there's limitations and stuff and and everyone has different abilities, but, um, you know, like. I think so many people, I was talking about this with my wife yesterday. There's just so many people, myself included at, when I was younger, that just are so afraid of getting told they're doing the wrong thing or feeling like the voice inside of their head is going to, is thinks that they're doing the wrong thing or that they're not, they're not like living up to someone's expectations that they don't even know who it is anymore. And you shouldn't do that. Like it's, it's, you live, live, I mean, you know, probably if you're watching the stream, especially, you know, what's right and wrong and you know what, you know, what like hurting another person is. And 
you probably the things that you want to do aren't going to actually like hurt hurt people you know like if you're trying to dream bigger for yourself or try something uh you know you should go for it and and it, it's hard it's hard to decide that and i still struggle with like uh with it but you know you got to set goals and 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 try to achieve them and evaluate at points if you still want to make those goals if you are going to make those goals if you made them and now you have bigger goals um because i honestly that last one is going to be what happens probably for most people is you know i made i've made lots of goals and then i get to it and it's like this wasn't big enough this wasn't this wasn't like i i, I mean i was thinking of a goal that was achievable which you have to do but you know it's like i thought that that was going to be the end and i get to it and it's like this is this is this wasn't even nearly big enough like this you know i could i could do so much and and i yeah i mean that that would be my advice to myself back then that's my advice to people now is is if you know like don't don't listen to this voice in your head telling you that like oh people are laughing at you or people aren't going to take you seriously anymore like if you think it's important it probably is and you should do it. <laughs> Excellent advice, Adam. I'm loving yeah. this. Yeah. This is a, a blast so far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, chat's loving it too. So, um, yeah, if you can imagine it, you can do it. Yeah. Good shit. Um, all right. So, Adam, that brings us to the, the Inquisition, the leftist Inquisition oh. the questionnaire. Yeah. Everyone loves it. The torture no chamber. It. Yeah. It's a little bit of a torture. <laughs> um, that said, you can pass or skip any question for any reason. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, do you have a favorite word, Adam? Uh, that one I was kind of like uh, struggling with. <laughs> I, I don't know if I really have a favorite word. I like the word onomatopoeia because it kind of sounds like what it is. Um, nice. I don't know. I, yeah, I have always – I kind of like I kind of like that. I, I studied linguistics in school too. So like oh. a lot of words are just kind of like devolved. It's just like, I can't, you know, like when you read a word too many times, it just turns to mush. Like I've had that happen too many times. So <laughs> yeah. Adam, do you have a least favorite word? It's pretty much in the same vein. We can pass as well. Yeah, no, that one, or I kind of, that one, I kind of thought, uh, cause I, I, I saw it and I'm really not a fan of that fungible word that's come out. Uh, <laughs> It's just a gross word. Like it sounds like uh, it sounds like a dirty like gym shower uh, fuck flip flop. Like that's what it makes me think of. Right. So yeah, it's it's not a good word. Not right. a good thing either. Right. Fungible <laughs> or not. Yeah. Do you um, have a favorite drug, a vice, or guilty pleasure? And or if you want, you can name one of each. <laughs> Well, uh, drugs, like I mentioned, I had an opiate addiction. I'm a huge Kratom head these days. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, if I had, I mean, if I had, if I had to pick one and if I was on my deathbed or something, I could do whatever I want. I would tee up a big shot of Dilaudid. Uh, don't advise you doing that. Don't do Dilaudid, but it is my favorite drug. Um, my vice, um, is honestly going to get lunch all the time. I love eating lunch at a restaurant. I love getting like a sandwich or something. Um, I mean, I love eating at restaurants in general, um, which I, I don't know if that's not woke or woke at this point. Um, but uh, that is my vice. I spend probably a little too much money going out to eat just because I love 
I love eating uh, different kinds of food and stuff. Um, and then I guess like my my new kind of uh, guilty pleasure is is I bought him like I said I bought a Miata. I drive it around. Uh, I know it's not good for the environment, uh, but <laughs> it's just really fun to drive like ninety miles an hour <laughs> in the country uh, around some curves and stuff. Uh, and it's a stick. Sh- it's a six speeds okay. uh, manual transmission. It's uh, so much fun to drive with the top down. The weather's obviously perfect right now in North Carolina. Uh, yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, I'm taking it up to the mountains in a month or so to drive a bunch of roads there. Uh, it is just, yeah, it's the most exhilarating thing. <laughs> and it also is, it was also the first time I really ever made a really like ill-advised large purchase. So, and it, it wasn't really that expensive. I bought a pretty old one, bought a 2000, 2006. So it wasn't, it wasn't very expensive, but like to my, I have like the same thing Brian on street fight. will talk about where like, I'm like obsessively checking my bank accounts. And even though I know that there's money in them and stuff like, cause it's just like, I'm going to wake up and this was all a big joke on me because uh, it obviously would, you know, the whole world wants to take advantage of the fact that my greatest fear is that I'll have no money and have to, you know, all the things that I love will be gone. So, uh, so it was difficult, but I did it and I got over it and I loved the Miata. <laughs> Stoked for you, dude. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, all right. Uh, do you have a sound or a noise that you love? Uh, I do. Also, I wanted to shout the chat, yeah. the chat that Tale of the Dragon is exactly where I'm going in a month. So, um, so yeah, this, I I love it. It's the best part. Um, anyways, the sound. Um, I uh, this one hit me. I realized it is a um, a Hammond organ. Um, really hitting like that, like woo sounds. Um, I the last concert. Well, I've seen music since since now, but. Yeah. Um, the concert I went to like last indoors, uh, that was like before COVID was Sturgill Simpson. And he had this, uh, really awesome, uh, guy on with like every vintage keyboard and synthesizer. You could think all the classics and he just like wailed on a Hammond for like a while in one of the songs. I can't remember what song is. And, uh, this guy next to me uh, was like, man, he was like 4-H champion. I, I was in Charlotte, so uh, and, and I'm from downstate Illinois, so like these are kind of I've seen a lot of people from like ar- archetypically from my past. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, he's a 4-H king. He had like the pressed jeans and the dip pocket and tucked in plaid shirt and worn worn boots and I mean, he was literally crying at the sound of the organ. And he's just like, man, it's just, it sounds so good. I'm like, yeah, man, it, this is literally the best sound in the world. Like, <laughs> so, uh, so that is my favorite sound is the Hammond organ. Hammond B3, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a, a least favorite sound? B2, Hammond. I, yeah. It just wasn't as good. <laughs> no, uh, that is 100%. My wife chews her tongue when she's like thinking. <laughs> and what? I can, he- I can hear it through walls. Like, she like, Go like this, like like so chew on her tongue while she's like thinking or something, and it's the fucking worst noise. I hate it so much. It, I'll hear it like across the room, and I'll be like, "Stop, stop chewing your tongue, stop chewing your tongue." Like it's it's it just drives me nuts. So that is my most hated noise. It's it's awful. It's the worst noise. Oh yeah. Whoa. I don't know about that. Okay. Now, if uh, if 
you came from Wisconsin. You did not come from Wisconsin. You said downstate Illinois. Yeah, I'm uh, from Bloomington. So unfortunately, you get one answer to this question, unless you break the rules, and then I can't stop you. What's your favorite cheese, Adam? Um, to be honest, I don't really like cheese. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But I uh, I am a fan. Um, I like a good uh, I like a good uh, five year aged cave Gouda every once in a while, like a nice hard salty cheese like that. Um, but yeah, I I don't really like. Uh, I have never liked it like since I was a kid. So, um, which is weird because I'll drink, uh, I, I, when I was a kid, uh, I would drink, uh, on break at target. Uh, you know, I would drink like a two quart of milk, like just on my lunch break. So like, I'm definitely Midwestern. I just don't like the cheese. I just don't like the cheese for some reason. All right. No cheese, no cheese for you. Um, Adam, if you were reincarnated as uh, some plant or non-human animal, and if somehow you had the the ability to choose, I don't know what would it be. Uh, you know, I've always uh, kind of just wished I was a house cat. To be honest, uh, it seems like a good gig. Um, but I've always wished that since I was a kid. Honestly, I just like it seems so much simpler. <laughs> so. That that's definitely yeah, definitely house cat. I love it. Um, do do you have cats? Do you have? I do. Pets? I've always had cats my whole life growing up. Yeah, I have two now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had three when we moved here. My my cat, the first cat I bought, uh, or well, I got from the Humane Society. Um, I got a cat when I was still single, uh, that I had before I got with my wife and. Uh, he recently passed away like uh, I know, two, two-ish years ago. So, um, but we used to have three. Now we have a dog, which I've never had, uh, um, which is an adventure because we got a hard dog. We have a, we have a husky Malamute mix. So yeah. difficult dog. Uh, sometimes very, very lovable, but uh, he is a handful sometimes. So demanding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, Let's say at the end of your life, you go to go to your version of heaven and you're at your version of the pearly gates and there's there's your version of God. And I don't know, what what would you like them to say? Uh, you know, like, honestly, I just don't I, I like I was like thinking about this question. And I was like, I just I, I don't care. Like, I, I don't <laughs> feel like I have unanswered questions yeah. in my life at this point. Um. Because, yeah, like, I mean, I, when I was younger, yeah, I used to really dwell on like, you know, these, 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 uh, these questions of purpose and, 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 or like, you know, what comes after what came before, I guess. And it's just, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, like my ideology, I feel like arises from, from that. Uh, in the fact that, like, I think I have these questions of my purpose and and all that feel so unfulfilled because I am inherently be- provided no opportunity to really solve that question. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I know the answer. Like, oh, I know I, I, I don't know if I know the answer, but I, I believe that the answer is here on Earth. Uh, so, like, I would spend my time finding it on here and i i don't think that when i got there it would probably just be like uh well you've made it to the end my friend or whatever <laughs> like you know like 
yeah, like I, I, I feel like it would just be a continuation. Like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I guess I'd never realized like kind of how Zen my philosophy is in life, but I know I feel very content with the moment that, you know, and, and taking what the moment gives. And I mean, not to say I don't struggle with what life gives me, uh, because that is difficult, uh, frequently. Um, but yeah, I think the answers are here, uh, in us and other people and stuff like that. So I don't need God to tell me God, I'll tell God what I learned when I get up there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Adam, if, uh, if you could meet an influential leftist, uh, they could be dead or alive. Mm -hmm. Um, who would you like to meet and have and have a hypothetical conversation with, you know, um, who I'd like to meet, and this is someone I'm not sure if they're leftist. I don't really know sure. their, their personal ideology. I know that's, I know some of their actions and what they've said, um, but I would really like to meet Earl Scruggs, the famous banjo player, uh, yeah, but- considered by many the, the father of, of uh, bluegrass banjo. Um, but Earl was a man who uh, – who, uh, was just very, uh, very open to to learning uh, from other people, from uh, learning from his experience and processing that, and uh, and and giving his own take on it. And uh, uh, but he, because of that, uh, you know, he he toured a lot uh, in his early years with Bill Monroe. Uh, very difficult uh, road life. M- a lot of sleeping in a limo apparently and mm-hmm. driving crappy country roads and never seeing your family. And, uh, you know, he, he eventually got to parlay that into the kind of like international renown that, uh, that like he was capable of and that he deserved. And, uh, when he got to that, he, this was the sixties and he, because he's just such an open-minded guy, uh, he got involved in, and hearing what people were saying, even though he was kind of older, he's probably in his mid forties by then. And, uh, he got involved in the anti-war movement. Um, he, uh, he, um, had his wife, his wife was his tour manager and he, uh, really, uh, stopped a lot of people trying to stop her, uh, because she was a woman. Uh, so yeah, I'd just like to meet him. He's a fascinating guy to me. Earl Scruggs. Earl Scruggs. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic musician. Just off the charts. Yeah. Um, okay, then Adam. Whew, I don't know. Do you, uh, so the next question is like, if you had a hypothetical conversation with Earl Scruggs, what would they say? You can ask them anything you like, <laughs> hypothetically. I don't know. It's, this is one of the questions I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about getting rid of. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I would... I, what I would want to know is I would want to like actually get um, a read on on his his beliefs because uh, he wasn't he wasn't super outspoken about them necessarily. I mean he he obviously uh, he protested the war prominent prominently ish. Mm-hmm. Um, he broke up his original band uh, Flat and Scruggs over it. Oh. Um, uh, well, sort of over it. Uh, oh. Flat was more conservative. I uh, wanted to go back to playing the smaller venues and touring a lot. 
And Earl did not want to do that because he was old and he wanted to do stuff with his boys, uh, which is what he ended up doing is starting a band with his, his sons. Um, but uh, okay. But but they they also did not get along questions of ideology, and uh, so yeah, I would just um, yeah, I'd want to know, I guess what you're asking me from from Earl. So, just kind of like uh, yeah, what what do you what do you what do you believe like that? Yeah. Awesome. All right. So uh, the the last question is oh no hold on. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A favorite leftist book or author? I think we've named a couple things along the way. I can't remember anything exactly. Um, well, I've mentioned books. And, and to I be fair, to be I fair, I'm not books. well read. Yes, but go on. Yeah, yeah. I have books. Um, yeah, nice. I would say, um, just looking, um, you know, the big book for me uh, in terms of like the sports stuff, and, and he's a good friend of mine now, um, is uh, Game Misconduct by Dr. Coleman Lamb. Uh, by Dr. Nathan Coleman Lamb, uh, it it's it's a great framework for introducing leftist analysis, like in in spectator sport. Um, it, it it's just been like so beneficial to me uh, as I learn uh, how to analyze. Excuse me, the coke got to me. Um, it has been so useful to me uh, as a tool for learning how to like answer these questions, find other people working on this research. Um, and doc, yeah, Dr. Nathan's come on our show a few times. He's always great to talk to. Uh, he started his own very successful podcast now. Um, so yeah, he's just, his book and, and him have been like such a, such, such a, a great thing to, uh, to have uh, in my life. And I always recommend, I think I've bought the book like three or four times for people uh because i love it that much so um yeah uh yeah dr coleman lamb is here let me look it up because i always spell it wrong too uh k-a-l-m-a-n hyphen lamb so l-a-m-b you can follow him on uh on twitter and nk N K A L A M B. Uh, that's his handle. All right. um, so yeah, he, uh, yeah, that book is great. Uh, the other book that I am extremely uh, fond of is uh, the brothers Karamazov by, uh, by Dostoevsky. Um, I've read it at many points in my life and it's always like brought me something different. I've even gotten to, to take it at, uh, I've even gotten to take like a close read of it in college. Um, so yeah, I love that book. Uh, it, it, it's like, uh, I, I read it because in slaughterhouse five, uh, what's his face? Uh, um, Kilgore trout says you either can read sci-fi or read that book. And that, that's all you need to read. And, uh, and, uh, I read it and I think that's an apt, an apt suggestion. Like yeah. it, it has everything in there. Uh, it's got questions of existentialism. It's got uh, family stuff. It's got questions of uh, Russian supremacy, uh, which obviously is something deeply on all of our minds uh, at all times today. Uh, <laughs> is is should we let the Eastern Orthodox Church uh, run the world? Uh, Dostoevsky would argue yes. Uh, yes, we should. Beautiful, all right. <laughs> Adam. That's great. 
Brothers Karamazov. Karamazov? I don't even know. I always say Karamazov, but that's just I didn't mean to correct you. My idiotic idiotic accent that I have. I I have no idea. Yeah. All right, Adam. So um, you are not a live streamer, but you put together some really beautiful content. Uh, Southpaws has some of the best production in the game, and I really love what y'all do. Um, So this does ask streamer tips. You can instead uh, sort of uh, uh, change it to maybe content creator tips as a content (laughs) creator yourself. Otherwise, feel free to, you know, uh, give give us some content creation advice. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I was talking about me and uh, me me and Brett from Street Fight. We sometimes play uh, video games together and we were kind of talking about this one night and uh, we have just noticed that like people who do a bad like not a bad job but people there are people who do it and they are trying to be someone else and this goes for pretty much anything you can make when you're Hmm. trying to write a book or you're trying to i i don't know uh do comedy or write music and and i know at a certain point you have to start like from a place that you know and you've never done it so you don't have anywhere to start other than other people's stuff like mm-hmm. i did that too like at one point but that that stuff i did was garbage and i had to learn uh this is a piece of advice i got from from brian as you can tell the street fight guys are very have been incredibly influential to me they uh they've been so helpful in, in learning how to giving me advice like this so i i feel like i have to share it with you because it's not my real advice uh mm-hmm. it's theirs um, but Brian, you know, told me, he said that, you know, the first few months that you do it, you're going to be really bad at it. Unless you're like one, there's like a few people who are just like prenatally gifted, <laughs> and, uh, uh, which I, I think we all know who those kinds of people are and, and you're not probably one of them, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to be good. Like you just have to find your voice and, and think about what that is. And you really, I mean, like, that's the thing with our show is that there are a million fucking sports podcasts and sports shows and sports YouTubers and sports streamers. And, and, you know, like, I especially see it. Like, I'm even just thinking because I'm a White Sox fan and that's the Twitter I'm probably most plugged into. There's like always somebody thinking that they're going to start some like, like, oh, like two dudes having a beer and talking sports podcast. And like. That's not to say, like, obviously there's only so many formats that work, but you're going to have to do more than that. And you're also going to do it. It's going to be fun for like three or four episodes. Then people are going to stop telling you that it's good. You're not going to be able to keep posting it to places to plug it. You know, you're not going to get that hit of attention. Everybody quits. So what you do is you just get past that hump and then you will be better and then you will be like, you'll find something that you can do that, that other people aren't doing, or at least you'll find a couple people. Like, I mean, we did this for years before we really found anybody uh, larger than like, a, like maybe a hundred people uh, that really enjoyed our show because, and that was enough because I knew like, that's all I was doing it for. I was doing it because I liked it and I wanted to share like my, like my viewpoints and myself and like the journey that I was on and and find other people who responded to that. And uh, that's, that's what I would say is just like, you know, I mean, it's like the advice people give 
uh, people who feel like they're not going, like they're not going anywhere with their dating lives or something. They're like, you need to just chill out and like, you need to just like focus on yourself and like do what you can. And people will be attracted to that. It's fucking true. Like you just have to just, just, just chill out and like be interested in stuff. And that is infectious. Like being interested in things and being passionate about stuff is infectious to other people. And that will come across in your podcasting or your streaming or your YouTubing or whatever. Uh, once you focus on that and once you develop your voice and you get over being scared, that's the other thing. So you get over being scared to, to be yourself. Uh, and I'm still struggling with that. I, I still, maybe less so, maybe, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's scary to, to be yourself. Uh, people laugh at you. Some, there'll be trolls who, who yell at you and, and call you a loser and shit. Like just, you know, you, you, you can do it. If you want to do it, you can do it. Adam, wonderful, excellent advice right there. <laughs> really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think a, a lot of people, myself included, are going to get a lot out of it. All right, so that brings us to your questions, if you have any questions for me. Oh. Otherwise, otherwise, I got something else after that. Um, I don't know. What do we got? I feel like I got to have one. Uh, what, what are, you, uh, what yep. are you listening to lately? Um, well, let me think about this. Uh it's sort of a lot of the same thing, you know, like music is sort of like been on the back burner for me. Um, I, I miss going to live concerts. You know, I'd probably be seeing bands like Wolfpack and Cage the Elephant and Tame Impala if they were on tour in my area, uh, you know, were it not for COVID, of course. Um, so, you know, we're looking forward to those being a reality and, and doing those safely again. But um, yeah, honestly, I need to start listening to new music otherwise i just like listen to like lo-fi in the background of my stream all day yeah yeah i get i get in the same way where it yeah where i'll just listen to the same thing over and over um yeah and so but you know i mean it's fine like i don't know i'm past the point of thinking that you have to listen to like stuff that other people think will like make you look cool you know (laughs) i listen to fucking bluegrass music now hell yeah very not cool (laughs) <laughs> no, what do you what do you listen to? Uh, uh, what kinds of stuff? Bluegrass artists. Uh, I, people might be familiar. I know he's like kind of a big name. I'm actually wearing the shirt today. But uh, Billy oh. Strings obviously okay. is a big one uh, right now. He's kind of crossing over the jam band space with the traditional bluegrass. Because uh, right. he, he can actually play like most jam grass bands. They can't play real bluegrass. They they no. stink. They're technically bad musicians uh they don't have appreciation for like the roots that's what i would say and billy strings uh he can throw down on anything you go you can go play with the oldest crustiest bluegrass dudes and they'd be blown away by him just as much as any wook that's at the show so uh, i love him but yeah like traditionally like i'm a big fan of bill keith stuff uh he's one of my favorite banjo players uh earl scruggs obviously uh uh, you know, it, my advice to you if you're trying to listen to bluegrass is you go to this guy called uh, Take, T-A-K-E, uh, Taki's Bluegrass Channel, and he has all these live bootlegs, and that's the way to listen to bluegrass. You can't really listen to the albums uh, because the culture is about the spontaneity, the, spon- the process of playing with different musicians and, and knowing these familiar songs and seeing what little kind of tweak these guys do when they play together. Um, so I'd recommend going to him. Yeah. Listen to, you know, 
all, all the yeah all bill key stuff uh you know david grisman tony rice uh all those guys it's great stuff uh, the only bluegrass i listen to is like uh i don't even know if you consider it bluegrass but i like punch brothers oh yeah uh uh famous illini known pekelny uh he is uh he's an illini i actually added him hey. to the famous illini wikipedia page um, <laughs> playing the banjo yeah uh, yeah. He well he he has a similar story. He he started uh, at Illinois uh, in computer science. Uh, he he was a child prodigy sort of. He took lessons with Bela Fleck. He's from I think Skokie, and so if you're familiar with the uh, old time folk music school uh, or old town old town, yeah. old town uh, he he took lessons through them, uh, which right. is like a. I mean, like prominent John Prine is a famous musician who also came from that school. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, he so he kind of like was like, oh, you know what? There's no future playing banjo. Like, it'll just be a fun thing that I do. Like, you know, like I'll go to I'll still go to festivals and stuff on the weekends. I can have this nice job, Uh, which is, yeah, like, I mean, that's what folk music is about. Like and but yeah, like after a semester He's like, fuck, I want I want to be a professional banjo player. And so he stayed at Illinois, though, um, which as far as I know, there's no banjo teacher. So I think he kind of took something, uh, some kind of independent study. Uh, but I don't know if he would say he's like a, a Illinois guy. I think he's firmly a Brooklyn dude now. Oh, like, okay. so he's very funny. I really recommend watching his funnier die skits. Uh, he's okay. an extremely funny guy uh i yeah i love gnome gnome has this album called uh gnome pekelny plays kenny baker plays bill monroe which is a banjo player playing a fiddle album that was a fiddle player playing a mandolin player so uh he has a really fun it's it's a joke in one in one of the skits it's about like how he's like like it's what everybody was asking for a banjo player playing a fiddle player playing a mandolin player (laughs) it's a classic story (laughs) <laughs> yeah he's very he's very very funny um yeah i like him a lot um okay love it um okay i'm gonna ask chat do you have any questions for adam if uh, if i see any questions i'll pass them on to you and you could feel free to ask uh, answer any of those or pass again chat ask your questions ask away otherwise adam we we have a little time if you have time here uh, i would say yeah, probably, I I'd probably i'd probably say five minutes here what's grinding your gears dude like what's on your mind these days like what what are you thinking about <laughs> um you know like I, like i said i'm always thinking about how much i hate fucking having to work uh Fuck it. all the time on and i don't even i mean like the work from home thing has been really nice because yeah. i can i'm not wasting so much time like commuting and sitting in the office not doing anything feeling trapped yeah. um i'm very fortunate to live in durham yeah. where there's great hiking about 10 minutes in every direction so nice. um um, but yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, just, uh, you know, just the big thing. It's like, I mean, like I said, I've kind of hit this point in my life, like I'm very well taken care of. And so all my complaints are minor and feel insignificant when I see the, the rest of the world, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I'm very, very uh, just angry, uh, you know, seeing, just watching like how United States is never going to do anything about climate change. Like the plant, like the COVID thing really just sent me off the edge for a long time uh, where like, it was just clearly 
their plan for climate change is just like uh, let's just kill everybody for a while and then see if like we can get them into their amazon pods uh at the company town uh so like yeah i mean i i have a lot of like existential dread about the future uh but yeah you know i i will say uh i because i have this vaccine i've gotten to, i've been i've gotten to go back to restaurants and stuff yeah uh living in durham i now have to see the fucking duke duke students again and uh at the restaurants to act like total fucking idiots. And uh, I was like telling my wife yesterday, I'm like, well, I'm already ready to go back in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, you know, uh, that, yeah, uh, the crowd getting, getting used to being in a crowd again is already like, uh, I, I was never a huge fan of stuff like, uh, like waiting in line and being in a huge crowd of people. So uh, the quarantine in that respect was nice, but uh I'm going to try and be better about it because I was, I was trying to be better about it when the quarantine started. So that's why that was my personal battle with the quarantine was, uh, was that I was trying to improve my life and and then the quarantine made me have to delay working on that and set it all back again. So, so we'll see. All right, Adam. Um, I'm not saying, seeing any questions from chat. Looks like I sparked some uh, some jam band talk, which was a huge mistake. On? Huge oh, mistake geez. on my part. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I, oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm I sorry. will say my last. How I end with this is I did see my nature's healing thing that I saw. Is I like I said I got I I went when I was in Nashville. We were there because we were going to go see Del McCurry, who's a bluegrass legend, just okay. an absolute titan, and. Uh, He's playing outside uh, at this uh, spot near uh, where Bonnaroo is, and uh, he. Uh, so there were there were a lot of hippies there, and uh, you know, like people dressed dressed like uh, I don't I don't know uh, like like uh, like a caricature of a hobo from the 30s uh, meets Willy Wonka, uh, and so. <laughs> Not that I don't, uh, you know, I get along with those people fine. They just, you know, I, yeah, whatever. Won't get into the hippies. But uh, my nature's healing was, is, you know, I'm at the show. I'm enjoying myself. We're outside. We're listening to music again. Some spun wook comes up to me just totally out of their mind, screaming about the parking lot, asking me if I know what's going on in the parking lot. You know, just talking nonsense, uh, way too close. And then I watched them fall down the entire hill, get up, and then fall face first into some barbed wire. So it was, uh, you know, just a classic spun uh, burnout uh, look uh, at a show, having a good time. We're back. We're we're all we're all here again together. Uh, so. It was, uh, yeah, you know, it's just the little things that you forget that we forgot over the past year or so. It's the little things. Yeah. So, but yeah, thanks for having me, man. I, uh, I enjoyed it. It was a great hour off of the the work I've been doing. So, yeah, but yeah. Appreciate it, Adam. Yeah. We'll, we'll go ahead and let you go then. Um, it, uh, you know, we, we've invited you in the spirit of, of building leftist unity, strength, and power. You were a wonderful guest. 
looking Thanks. forward to uh, jumping back on. You know, we can't uh, dive into everything in just an hour, and but I think we planted some good seeds, some things worth returning to. Many things to keep you uh, to keep chatting about, and hopefully, you can keep teaching me and keep teaching my audience uh, uh, and in, in in a future visit. Adam, thank you again, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. All right, buddy. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna tell you solidarity, uh, peace, and solidarity. Thanks, buddy. Right. Sounds good. Woo! All right. Did I hit the wrong button? It's okay. No problem. I didn't do it. Did I? Yeah. That's okay. All right. Um, Adam's great. Adam's so great. Hey, listener. You just heard an episode of Leftist and Chill, the show you never knew you didn't need but still can't live without, the podcast version. Content like this is only made with the support of listeners like yourself. Please support at patreon.com slash idansimpson today.